오빤 And I am here this week with Christian McClarkson. Uh, just you, all you have to do is hit shift three. <laughs> and with an Olympus has fallen tagline, Kelly Wand. Uh, what after mash should have been? See, because it's like Korean War. Mash was like the Korean War, so it's like instead of. Uh, Harry Morgan and Re- Reverend Potter. Wait, Mulcahy? Father Mulcahy? It's Tell like... what, I find it illuminating that your touchstone for a Korean invasion is MASH, and <laughs> mine is Gangnam Style. Mm-hmm. Speaks I'm stuck in the past, even though you're a little <laughs> older than me. And I spend a lot of time on YouTube. And I have an eight-year-old, and all he does is sing, Welcome Gangnam Style. Really? What are, what are the lyrics to that, Dingus? How does that go? I think it's Wampum. <laughs> Which I, we've seen Star Wars, and isn't that a creature in Star Wars? And Dingus gets in a Star Wars reference. Very good. Right. Well, well Gangnam and Gungan, they're kind of, kind of similar. So the, uh, well, let's see. So what, what is this? Why are we talking about Korea? What, what's going on, Dingus? What oh, yeah. is it that we saw this week? Uh, without spoiling anything, I don't know, maybe the Korea stuff is a spoiler. Uh, why don't you let folks know what we saw this week with as spoiler-free a description as you can? All right, well, this week we saw Olympus Has Fallen, a 2013 action thriller jingoism movie about the constitutional line of succession to be an acting president of the United States. It was directed by Antoine Fuqua and written by Creighton Rothenberger and Katrin Benedict. You made those names up. Those are not real names. I did make up Antoine Fuqua. You're all right. It stars Gerard Butler, Cole Hauser, <sighs> Jacobson, and Tori Kittles. Hmm. Olympus Has Fallen is rated R for strong violence and language throughout. <laughs> uh, Kelly Wand, which, which character, who in the movie do you think was Tori Kittles? Um, Morgan Freeman. <laughs> I don't know the actor's name. Wait, say the first name again. So there, there's a there's a uh, in the credits someone is listed as Tori Kittles. Who mm. would you think Tori Kittles was? Uh, that Korean girl who gets killed off screen. I think. No, the hacker chick. I totally you would think that. Yeah. That's Deathstrike. No, uh, Tori Kittles is <laughs> yeah very good. That's thing. Kelly who fucker. Tori Kittles. What? <laughs> Tori Kittles is uh, Agent Jones. Which one was that? <laughs> He's briefly introduced to uh, Gerard Butler in the, the breakfast scene. What? <laughs> Wait, the one where he has breakfast with Angela Bassett? Yeah, and then a bunch of guys hey, why don't you play poker with us anymore? Blah, blah, blah. Have... By the way, this is Agent Jones. I, I forget what else he does in the context of the movie. Uh, is he, I like the, is he the one who says that you told the speaker to go F himself? Yeah, yeah, yep, definitely, uh, yeah. yeah. So he has that little exchange. So she's based on Dick Cheney? 
Well, I just I love the name Tori Kittles too. Kelly one, what if you were named that? Agent Kittles. They all go to the same diner and um, wear their suits. Well, then let's not spoil anything yet, though. Before we spoil, maybe you, maybe you haven't seen Olympus Has Fallen, and you're like, why are these guys giving away important plot points? Sorry about that. So uh, stick around. Before we spoil everything, let me tell you. Uh, let me tell you that uh, Olympus Has Fallen was the number two movie in America. Yes. Right, right, right behind, not right behind, considerably behind The Croods, in which Nicolas Cage is a, a ca- an animated caveman. Uh, so, uh, Olympus Has Fallen? Yes, Kelly, what? That's his last name. That's what? That's his last name. That's whose last name? That is Nicolas Cage's family, The Croods. It's a family of cavemen, and they have an adventure. Are they uh, in times, or is it cave times? You know what, Kelly Wine? We'll, uh, we'll see it for next week's podcast, <laughs> and we can answer these questions. <laughs> I, got I didn't know anything about it. So made it uh, no, the Croods is, I think it's, is that DreamWorks? Who is that, Dingus? Yes. Oh, God, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's the part that makes you go, ew, God, wow. So Croods, number one movie in America. Olympus has fallen, number two movie in America, having made $30 million, which is the most impressive action movie opening so far this year. Uh, that's not saying much. <laughs> Wait, I have it on good authority that the Croods is better than you think it's going to be. I, I have an adventure. It's action, so that's an adventure. It should be the number one. Action. So what's the difference? So isn't the Croods probably then just like the Ice Age movies, but with fewer animals? Yeah, with humans that don't talk. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Get it, Tom? Do you know who's in the Croods? Nicholas Cage. Let's see. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is the boyfriend. Uh, who plays Who plays the daughter? I seem to recall there was actually a good actress doing the voice for the daughter. There's a well. Emma Stone is the daughter. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. There but you go. Uh, we have a national treasure in the movie as well. Marissa Tomei. No. Chloe Moritz. Me. Is her national treasure sto- Her national treasure status was revoked after it's just problems. been revoked. No, Catherine Keener is in it as well. Ah, good. Okay. Well, I'm still not going to see it. <laughs> I, I'm way behind. Tom's not going to see on the bike. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm way behind with my "Hey, this animated movie is surprisingly good" list. So I've got to get through Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and Wreck It Ralph. Oh. I know. I'm see Kelly Wan. That's exactly what I think. Those everyone's seen those, but us. And, right. and, and even Dingus probably will say, hey, they're, it's good. I think Dingus has seen the meatballs thing. I've seen Cloudy, and I, I love Cloudy, and I know you love meatballs. <sighs> Is that movie about weather or miniaturization? I don't yeah. want to know. I don't want to know because that's the only saving that's, grace is that I know absolutely nothing about it. So I'm going in. I don't know if it's about clouds or meatballs or if that's a metaphor. I don't know what's going on. So I want to uh, see Mars Needs Moms because it I, lost $100 million, and that always makes me curious. Like, I know, but I tell, you, I tell you what, Tom. You see Cloudy, and I will see Monster House and uh, Never the Toy and Shelby. Why are you reluctant to see Monster House? I'm not reluctant, but if you're not going to see Cloudy, then I'm not going to see Monster House. That's the way it is. Man, he has a kid, so he has to see all the kids' movies, so it's cracked his brain. No, but see, he's advanced his, his son to watching things like The Avengers, which you don't approve of, Kelly Wand, but I do. So, the kid can, You can sit through anything when you're a kid. We watched fucking Alice and pretended it was acceptable entertainment. Don't you mean Alice doesn't live here anymore? <laughs> no, the Scorsese movie, yeah. That's what I watched when I was a kid. What's the opposite of a spinoff? Parent? The parent of Flo, the predecessor ancestor. I don't know. 
At any rate, so let's see. Uh, uh, Olympus has fallen, the number two movie in America. It actually did well, considering that uh, action movies like the Stallone thing and the Schwarzenegger thing and the Bruce Willis thing, those have all been sort of tanking. Uh, and then exactly. along comes Ger- Gerard Butler, and uh, it's like, hey, here's one that's doing well. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, however, which is the percentage of reviews that are positive, 50%. So even split on Olympus has fallen. Yes. Yeah. Uh, on Metacritic, which is the average rating of reviews that use ratings, as well as some that don't, uh, Olympus has fallen is at forty-three. Wow. There we go. I mean, yes. Now maybe you haven't seen it and you want to avoid spoilers. If so, uh, fast forward to the three by three because Kelly Wand. Wait, I wait. want you. Yes. I want to say something dumb, really mm-hmm. quick before I get to that dumb stuff. Uh, in Canada, all those maths you just said are in Fahrenheit. No, I reject that one, Kelly Wand. <laughs> the joke would be that they're in Celsius, wouldn't it? No, that's that's the joke. Is that that you got the joke wrong? No, no, because they're all in Celsius already in America. So, are we discussing what the joke is? Let's. Uh, do, should I now? Dingus, should I now bring up the science thing that you and I were talking about earlier? Oh, please do. You can't dangle that shit and not talk about it. <laughs> do you mean dangle or dongle? Is circumference involved? Because never mind. It was like the circumference thing. I don't even remember what it was, Dingus. What was the science thing we were talking about? We were talking about whether the Earth has a weight, whether you can. Oh weight yeah, yeah, it. exactly. Right. Wait, you're talking about the Earth again? That's yeah, so yeah exactly. So the Earth does not. Have... Wait, wait. You're talking about the Earth again? It's all Earth. Tom gets really confused by the Earth. I'm not confused. I'm very clear on this. The Earth does not have a weight. Because the weight is dependent on gravity. So you could say, hey, what would the Earth weigh if it was on Earth? And that's different than what it would weigh if it was on Mars or Jupiter. So you can't just say the Earth has a weight, just like you can't say it has a circumference. It has infinite circumference. No, no. Well, all right. I see what you're saying. And, and it's, it's, weight, saying- it's, it's the difference between weight and mass. Like the Earth has a mass, of course, but the weight of that mass would vary by, by gravity. So there's no one weight for the Earth. There yes, go. there is. The, you- Based on what, Dingus? If the universe on... is the scale, it's whatever. It's Earth weight. It's like 1.0 Earth. But you can weigh something based on other other gravitational attractions to things that are close by. It, it, yeah, it's not, it, weight, weight is a thing. Just... Weight is a thing based on gravity. Dingus, if I take something that has a mass of 100, okay, and I weigh it on Earth... It's going to have a different weight than I take that same thing that has a mass of 100, and I weigh it on Jupiter. So the Earth has a mass. If I were to put the Earth on the Earth and weigh it, it would weigh one thing. If I were to put the Earth on Jupiter and weigh it, it would weigh something completely different. The Earth does does not have a single weight. Wait, but he's saying gravity is affected by other gravitational forces, and therefore you (laughs) you could fabricate a number of it all up. Bullshit. Therefore, but if you move the Earth, it would change. And the Earth is moving, by the way. I don't know if you're aware of this thing. Uh, it, it might be. It might be more. I don't know. Jesus. It might be more proper to ask what the mass of the Earth is, but you can still weigh it on the other gravitational. Just it, thing is the same. around it. You could still have a weight for the Earth. Of course you can. Just like you can have a circumference. It does not have a single circumference. Thank you. It does oh, not wait, have a single you weight. Can, you can have a circumference. You no can have, have a circumference. The Earth does not have one circumference. It has infinite circumfry, and it also has – its weight varies based on where you're going to weigh it. Your things are all based on, like, look, the human mind and language is, is insufficient in this instance. Like, oh, we have a scale here, so you can't – there's no objective. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that's why, that's, a, that's why you talk about the Earth's mass and not its weight. But if you cut the Earth – 
in half, half down the leaves. middle. Yes. Right. <laughs> okay, if, I, if you if type you in circumference in half... Move, yes, Kelly Wand? The second entry is circumference of the Earth. Although well, normally people assume it's around the equator. I think that's how it's common. It's a number. It says 40,075 kilometers. Earth. Where is that circumference? Right. So it has a different circumference if you measure it from pole to pole. Dear Google and NASA... I, Tom Chick, have an epiphany. I'd like you know to what? Uh, readers, write in and explain to Kelly and Dingus that I'm correct. I think you're right on the... <laughs> so the so the weight of the Earth is zero. Okay, we're done here. <laughs> See, Dingus sighed impatiently when I opened that stupid shit with Fahrenheit, and then... Right. <laughs> see, what you, see what you did? Kelly Wand. Yeah. Wait. All right, speaking of stupid stuff... <laughs> this, this has been laid at your feet, Kelly. Congratulations. <laughs> I think Tom's trolling me because he knows I'm dumb and he wants to like, and you're just, you're the bait. You're just the victim. Tom only trolls smart people. That's why I'm the bait. I'm actually right about this. I, I'm going to, I'm going to go read up on Wikipedia later and I will provide citations for both of you. But for now, let's talk about Olympus has uh, fallen. Kelly Wand. It's so good I to want, talk about movies for a second, almost. <laughs> Kelly Wand, I want you to spoil for everyone listening all the events of Olympus has fallen by telling us everything that happens in the movie. I, I don't know if you have a name for such a thing. Uh, if you do, what would that be? You're not even going to guess, you big pussy. The Olympus has flopsis. You're not even trying anything. I would say flopsis. <laughs> Maybe he's just going to go olopsis. I, I don't know. Whatever you would call it, Kelly Wand, I want you to drive it like you stop. <laughs> I had it as Olympsis has Fopsis. Rock and roll. It, hang on, Tom. Oh, yes. I staged it to Fall of Olympopsis. <laughs> that, does, that kind of fucks up the title, but it sounds better. Uh-huh. Okay, should I, I'll do the thing yeah, now. Yeah, Kelly Wand, drive it like you stole it. Fall of Olympopsis. <laughs> Stuff I heard said while intense shit's about to go down music played throughout Olympus's Fallen. Man, my dad may be president, but fuck that shit. Taking a bullet for one's way awesomer. Or for any bureaucrat. Not a bad right cross, Gerard Butler. But don't forget, I'm the president. Yes, sir, Mr. President. This sure is whatever party I belong to calls a white Christmas, Butler. You and me punching each other sweatily in the face right before I gotta be elegant in a fundraiser. Saying, Mr. President, Daddy, can I hang out and ride with the only Secret Service guy who talks to us instead of all these monochromatic day players? Now, Billy, Secret Service guys aren't butlers, whatever the actor's last name is. Like Katie Holmes learned in First Daughter, they're here to keep us alive, not fuck. Although I guess technically that leads to the creation of new life sometimes. Oh, gee whiz, I never get shot at. Look, Billy, moving you to a different limo at the last second will severely compromise a meticulously thought-out security cordon. But sure. Look, Uncle Gerard, I just unlocked farting centaurs in King's Bounty Armored Princess. And I unlocked a new oil puddle in Primordia. <laughs> just like the Iranian ambassador said. Uh, why I ought to tousle that hair of yours, you precocious rascal, you. Uncle Gerard, will my fetish for video games prove even remotely pertinent later? <laughs> well, Billy, nothing will. Now run along. Those tax reform coloring books won't color themselves. Man, fuck this shit. I hate being president. Oh, Aaron, you're such a president. Here, let me fuss with your tie. Fucking idiot. 
Mr. President, it's me, Secret Service agent and former Special Forces Ranger SEAL and ass model Gerard Butler again. <laughs> well, we prefer to simply be called performers. Sir, it's snowing hard out, and I think I'm in a different limo from you right now. Also, there's a CG bridge coming up. We'll cross it when we come to it, Gerard. Cross and come. Oh, Aaron, are you looking at papers again minutes before having to give a speech? What an asshole. Mm, yes, dear. You know, I'm thinking of shaving my vagina. Mm. <laughs> Billy's real father's an orangutan, although Morgan Freeman watched. Mm. You know what, Aaron? I really feel like this is my comeback. Blam, schnizzle. <laughs> It's all about the hype in there, Tom. Crash. Ashley! No! <laughs> Somebody call the fundraiser and tell him we'll be ten minutes late! <laughs> Kablooey. Make it twelve! <laughs> uh, Eighteen months later... Man, I haven't felt like a movie wasted the first 15 minutes setting up how much the main character sucks at their job, gets traumatized, and becomes a desk jockey since last week. Huh, wife, Denise Crosby? Honey, please, stop watching that news and listen to me. Am I really a different wife character? Jesus. I mean, look, honey, you've got to stop obsessing about the past and care about work again, which I guess watching the news is in this instance, actually. Well, the TV was on when I came <laughs> into the kitchen, but, uh, I love... Oh, wait, I fucked it up. Well, the TV was on when I came into the kitchen, but I guess I'm the asshole. <laughs> hey, that, huh, guys? Oh, also, I might leave my cell phone on some guy's medical chart later and never call you back, but it won't matter. <laughs> Attention! Suspicious aircraft from North Korea being flown towards the White House by white people. Please stop demolishing monuments and shooting thousands of people. Or you will be warned again. <laughs> Damn it, Stinky, talk to me. Where's the president? And what have I done for the last 18 months, if not guard him? Olympus has fallen. Damn, a missing nuke. No, that's broken arrow. Olympus needs White House taken over by Koreans. I really am a good actor, huh, Dingus? Can a kid hiding in the walls a spark plug? No! Needed that as code for terrorists fucking up Olympics. <laughs> okay, uh, and Dirty Sanchez is White House taken over by Mexicans or Aztecs. Dude, I'm losing a lot of blood, please. Hey, if the terrorists are redheads, is it rusty trombone? What if their hair's just dyed red? Stinky? Damn. You'll be avenged, my friend. Or die trying. Give us your missile product registration key, white man. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm half Korean, so it's not racist. Which half? Not the vocal cords. That's south. <laughs> oh. We don't negotiate with people who keep shooting us since the War of 1812, mister. Go to hell and back. But stay there. Tell them out of office. 
Tell me the codes or I will shoot your fifth built performer here in the head. Hans. It's like you unpleasantly. Blam. Fuck. All right, all right. It's CP30 happy face dot. Well, I've already shot and killed the hostage now. It's <laughs> appreciated. Uh, cool. I got into the White House somehow. Now to wander around in the dark. Timmy, which wall are you in? <laughs> Timmy. What's his name? It's Connor. Oh, Connor. Timmy fell in the well. Oh, spoiler. Uh, sidebar, unfun fact. The structure that the Canadian lead lives in is called the Prime Minister's Residence. They're too boring even for us to invade. Speaker of the House, they just took down the U.S. flag and put another one up that the camera can't get a good look at. <laughs> Cobra, Korean, something. There's no tactical purpose to this we can make out. They're just being dicks. Well, I'm Morgan Freeman. I'm either a traitor or I'm not. My performance will probably be the same. I concur, speaking of comebacks. So, killing half my men in unlit knife fights. Very good, Mr. Butler. <laughs> Perhaps since I've already secured the missile bunker, I should send all my men up to kill you instead of just a couple at a time. <laughs> Better yet, make a non sequitur reference to your wife. Is <laughs> <laughs> Edna Mode attacking some... Sandy's Crosby! <laughs> hey, you know what, Fritz? Let's play fuck off. You get first. Very well. Fuck off. No, I meant, like, that was me saying it when I said it. I was doing, like, four click. Oh. <laughs> hey, it's me. Um, just wanted to follow up on that fuck off thing. I think you have my number. If not. Fuck! Beep, beep, boop. Hey, me again, your voicemail robot lady uh, got me. Fuck! Fine, I'll wait for him to call back. Once you play hardball, I can do this all night. How are you holding up there next to me, Melissa Leo? Speaking of comebacks. Well, Mr. President. <laughs> Scoop McNary? <laughs> I think. It's depressing to suck. I mean, well, Mr. President, most of my sexual fantasies of being tied up next to you in torn clothes usually featured even more Koreans. Guess I say the F word in this fucking movie almost as much as I did in my fucking Oscar fucking speech, huh? Ow, I'm fucking getting beaten up. Tom Chick soapbox alert. Mildred, give them the codes. That's an order. Ugh, pretty sure I just sustained brain damage getting the shit beaten out of me. Let's remember it. I think you had a four in it. If you're going to cave in, sir, can you maybe do it 12 punches to my face, Oilia? <laughs> Oilia. Oilia. Popeye. Awesome. A kid in the movie's safe. Repeat, the spark plug is on sale. 
wait, the movie's half over, and all I do now is sit in an ambulance? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Stinky, where you been? Uh, looking for the Koreans? Fuck. I mean, uh, I'm freaked out and acting suspicious. Fuck. I'm talking out loud again. I mean, I hope you don't figure out I'm evil. I, I better go for my gun. Fuck. I'm already handing it to you. Shit. This was quite a showdown. <laughs> Stinky, why'd you want to kill 300 million people? That's not the roommate I lit farts with back at the academy. My kid lost a hangnail. Okay, now I trust you. Here, tell Kumar you killed me. Kumar, it's me, Dylan McDermott from Young Guns. Uh, I just killed Gerard Butler. Details not forthcoming. Click. <laughs> Wait, you're going to kill me? How many irrelevant fake deaths can one movie blam? As you can see, Mr. President, I've blown up a helicopter and made it crash into CG. Now come with me to somewhere. Now! Hey, if you didn't get my code, why do you even need me alive? Plus, now the Secret Service think we're dead. Aren't they all just going to swarm down here? Silencio! <laughs> Come with me to somewhere. See, because his English isn't good. Writing's right. Blam! Ah, Gerard Butler stabbed me with thy very own small knife. My pancreas. Guess you're not too sharp, Kumar. Get the point? Brondo has what plants carve. <laughs> oh, I'm dead! Good work, Gerard, but I still got shot in the stomach. But I think by you, actually. Butler Polhauser. I'm on the missile silo keyboard sound mixer. I think it says we got 15 seconds before the U.S. is a nuclear wasteland. Uh, how do you spell abort? Butler, thank God, hurry and type out the following. Foxtrot, 2, scroll lock, backward swastika, shift alt, control Z, nunchuck up right trigger, gyrus, saxon, cubert. <laughs> Done. World save, three seconds to spare. Looks like I redeem myself. Now Ashley Judd's ghost can rest in peace. God bless America. Great work, Butler. Oh, uh, you did hit enter, right? <laughs> the end. <laughs> <clears throat> Thank Aww. you, Kelly Wand. <laughs> I did. I'm glad. Mm. I have to write it extra good because my acting is so bad. I have to like something has to carry the water. Uh, great, that... great accent work, though. See, there's nothing I can't play. I know. Yeah. Castles, anything, and everyone. <sighs> All right, Dingus. What was better, this movie or Kelly Wand's synopsis? Oh, that. Come on. Ask me a serious question. Well, they had more production value. <laughs> Dingus is already quoting so, the movie now, though. Oh. Come on, was the tagline? What was the ask me a serious question response to? Is he still alive? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's still alive. Ask me a serious question. That that was one thing I really loved about this. I loved that moment. Uh, Dingus really question. loved something about Olympus Has Fallen. So elaborate, Dingus. What did you really love about Olympus Has Fallen? That line. <laughs> I, I liked. Uh, I, I really liked Gerard Butler a whole lot. I thought he was great. I thought he was uh, hilarious. Uh, I mean, the movie's far too earnest, obviously, but I really loved his, uh, the way that uh, it was so. He had so many horrible, diehard knockoff lines to try to poorly deliver, and he was so game in trying to deliver them. And that uh, asked me a serious question. I, I, it made me. It made my heart sort of leap. It's like, oh, look at that. They're, they're trying. 
You know, that that is such a good point, Dingus, is that consider how just uninvested Bruce Willis is in the Die Hard movie compared to how much fun Gerard Butler's trying to have. I mean, and how energetic he is and how, yeah. you're committed. He 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 definitely is bringing it. He's a he's a charming, engaging, likable guy. I like watching him. I hated this movie. I couldn't stand it. But, you know, I, I didn't get the sense that Gerard Butler hated the movie. And that counts for a lot. Um, I saw his name at the end, like as a producer or something. Is that a Gerard Butler production? Like, uh-huh. is this a Vanity Project? Do you? I can't just prob- it myself. But. Yeah, no, I, I imagine he's probably like you know he can be like a money guy these days. He's successful enough. But did he read the script and go, "This is me. I've got to do this." Well, you know, he's one of the cool things about Gerard Butler is the variety of stuff that he will do. You know, Dingus, and I'm not saying this to punk you at all, but if you if you like Gerard Butler being game in a terrible movie, I I definitely recommend that that thing with Jennifer Aniston, who poisons almost any movie that she's in, like any acting relationship she has. Watching him work with Jennifer Aniston in that bounty hunter thing, I can't even think of what it's called. Um He's like her, right? Right. He's her ex-husband, and he's a bounty hunter. Isn't it just called Bounty Hunter? Yeah. Oh God, maybe I wouldn't put it. That does sound about the level of creativity going on there. I I don't know, but I think so. When you first brought this up and talked about punking me, I thought you were going to make fun of the fact that I kind of liked Machine Gun Preacher a little bit. Oh well, see, there you go. Because Machine Gun Preacher also very earnest. You know, he's not. There, there's no jokes in that. If I, if I, you know, that's supposed to be a Hotel Rwanda kind of project. I'm guessing that's what they were thinking of with that. Um, so you can see him doing stuff like that. Even and boy, I, I hated him in the Phantom of the Opera movie, and I'm so into that stupid musical. Uh, and he was a terrible Phantom, but it's kind of fascinating to watch him try. You know, I, I, I like the variety of stuff that he does, and he's a, he's a, a, a likable, energetic fella. And yeah. You know, I just like the way he talks, and this is going to sound weird, but I like the way his mouth moves when he's trying to make words. I, I, I don't know if it's – it's like he's struggling against some demon that's going to let his real accent out, and his mouth is sort of shaping words, and you can see him really concentrating on yeah. shaping words as he talks. Yeah. And and I so I love it when he's doing that, especially when he's – in scenes with that little kid. Uh, I, I love him trying to play those scenes. I, I just like the guy because he's just trying so hard. And so when, when he says something like, ask me a serious question, and he's trying to deliver it in the in that I'm going to come and kill you type of uh, milieu, I just really liked him so much. And even, you know, I, I did notice, by the way, there is a dialogue coach in the credits. And I'm pretty oh. sure that's probably <laughs> what that was. But even, Dingus, I think of the moment where uh, he, <laughs> he, he looks... He, he looks up the – hey, Kelly Wand, how dare you? Uh, he looks up the chimney flue at the kid and says, oh, false alarm, you know, after he's had a little fight. That's just so endearing, that kind of that kind of stuff. Yeah, and he's being endearing and like a badass, Yeah, which is kind of a tough thing to play. And he, This is the first G.R. Butler movie I think I've seen since 300. Like I didn't see any of his other ones. Oh, and then, yeah, I get – boy, speaking of completely earnest, you know, in 300. Yeah, there, there's nobody like winking in that one. Um, yeah, screaming. Although so I, that, go ahead, gonna, it's like uh, I think like I really liked him in it, but I think it's an, it's a miscast to have Aaron Eckhart also in it because he's like a big dude too. So it's like beefcake overkill maybe. And Aaron Eckhart's a really good actor; he doesn't get to do much <laughs> stuff, gets slung around. So, beefcake uh, overkill. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I, I will say, because this is a byproduct of knowing nothing about a movie before you go in, and I would not trade that for anything. It's, a, it's it, for me, an important part of seeing a movie, even one like this, which I end up not liking. There's a, a wonderful moment early on in this movie when somebody walks into the room and says they're ready for you, Mr. President, and I have this kind of nanosecond where I'm considering all the possibilities because I don't know, is Gerard Butler the president in this movie or Aaron Eckhart? <laughs> like, I, I literally did not know at that point. It doesn't and matter. <laughs> well, that's why for this great, delicious, lovely little half second, I'm like, okay, you know, which one of these characters is going to be the president and which one is going to be the action hero? Uh, you know, who? how is it going to fall out? Um, yeah, so. Wait, and then you knew when he said it two seconds in, I'm the president. Right, right exactly. And then they, they make it very but clear. But they're similar. For- like their dynamic isn't that, I don't know. Well, you can't really. I mean, this is not an Air Force One in that it's no. not about the president. You know, it's about the guy rescuing the president. The president's a MacGuffin, pretty much. Uh, and they just need, you know, I, I, I was watching it. I was watching it thinking, oh. I, I was watching you, it you can Harvard. imagine it being made again and again, and each one gets a, a shot at it. So, <laughs> yeah, okay. different nights, right. On Tuesdays, Fridays, and Sundays performances, Aaron Eckhart will be the president. <laughs> and on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Saturdays, Gerard Butler is the president. It's like Brezan with the daughter. It's like two people played the daughter. What were you saying mm-hmm. about the audacity of hope? What were you saying? <laughs> uh, I was, what was I saying about the audacity of hope? You said I was watching it something something, and then the word hope. Uh, I don't know. I, I was uh, yeah. So I, it could have been either one. Uh, I forgot what I was saying. Um, Did Dingus hate it too? Because I was going to defend the movie a little bit. No, I, I didn't hate it. I think it's terrible. Uh, but little moments like uh, Gerard Butler saying the line I said, or when he's deleting the files without commenting on them in the Oval Office, or the fact that Connor, the little kid, disappears surprisingly early and we don't have this tearful child in peril thing going on because we just don't need it. Uh, I mean, there were little things that I, I liked about it, but it's a horror. It's just a terrible movie. I don't understand how the heck it got made, but no, I'm not going to hate it. I mean, it got made because it's, you know, it's a trashy action movie. These two people whose names I, 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 don't, I don't know either of the writers that you mentioned, Dingus, but, you know, they've got a script. Anton Fuqua is... I, you know what? So Tears of the Sun, uh, that King Arthur thing, Training like, Day, of course. Uh, but what's his most? What's Anton Fuqua's most recent movie? Something I remember we didn't like. I can't remember what it is. I'll look it up. But you know he's cranking them out. He's a working director, and so they give him this, and uh, you know whatever. It, it, it paid off. You know it's going to make its money. Uh, it came out before the other White House movie with Channing Tatum. <laughs> uh, that's I think coming out in June. Um, so this is the this is the first to the box office with the White House in peril. Uh, thing. The thing is, I, I kind of actually liked King Arthur a little bit. I, I did too. That. I like that stuff on the ice. I kind of like how he does action. Ice and and he he has a heck of a cast. Um, he made Shooter. <laughs> Shooter is him? That Mark Wahlberg? I know. That's yeah, this yeah, weirdly yeah. sort of right-wing, rah-rah kind of movie. Shooter's weird. Uh, I didn't know that was him. It's about a sniper. Gets fucked Actually, you know what? Given given this movie, that kind of makes sense. I guess he's doing these kind of jingoistic action movies. So, yeah, all right. I like the attack. Or go on. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I, I was just going to reiterate that I really liked King Arthur. Well, you guys mentioned that you like how he did action, or one of you said you like how he did action scenes in King Arthur. Does that apply here? Did you guys like? I really like the attack on Washington. I think this movie peaked early, and that's maybe like the biggest thing 
against it. But that first attack just kept going. It was great. It had a huge body count. And but, but, but the actual, the shooting of the action is horrible. And as you made fun of in the uh, uh, Olympus's Opsis or whatever you called it, um, the fighting is terribly shot. Right. You After never that. see anybody fighting properly. And uh, the... The opening action is all Gatling gun crap, and the CG, every even the simplest CG in this oh, movie is God. terrible. Everything, every single CG moment. I don't, I can't think of a good CG moment in this. From uh, from the flag dropping to bullet holes to anything, it's it's all horrible. So, uh, I, I don't think anything is competent as far as CG is concerned. The the best I could say about the action, Kelly Wand, and you might appreciate this, is that it was R rated. You know, I, I liked yeah. all the blood squibs, and I liked the, the that C-130, the the gunship thing, like killing civilians. I mean, that that gives you this this sense For of no stakes. Reason. Um, and well, the Washington Monument. I mean, it you know, I think like such a waste of of if you're going to get a, a C-130 into the into that airspace, why are you going to waste it with just shooting a bunch of civilians? I mean, it's, it's a, such a waste. Mm. Well, the idea is, and this was only. I might be with Kelly Wand a little bit in that I liked some of that early attack stuff. I think the idea is you go in and you just wreak a lot of havoc so that the police don't know where to focus right, and right, just yeah. sort of okay. tear them all into different directions. With their, uh, and then that way, when the guys – because there's, <laughs> there's so many – the thing is there's so many stupid things in this. Like this, this idea that they need suicide bombers to get past that wrought iron gate – yeah. You know, because Gerard Butler, what? Why couldn't they climb up? Why just shoot it down? Because they're about to bring in these heavy dump trucks. For that, for whatever reason, they have to blow the tires out of the dump trucks and let them like fall to the concrete before a heavy machine. It's like a fifty caliber machine gun, whatever, can support that. I mean, what, that was that that made no sense. The dump trucks come in and they clonk down. And it's just a machine gun? Like, that's the big reveal? There are just so yeah. many stupid things. The the two, uh, when the, the jets come in to shoot missiles, that big C-130 firing flares, you know, that's not how flares work. It's just so yeah. much stupid action sequence stuff. And and in a way, it reminded me, and I almost it almost kind of came for so, full circle, and it was so stupid I enjoyed it, in the same way that I like a Command & Conquer real-time strategy game. Because it reminded me of a lot of that kind of stuff, complete with the C-130 and the flares trumping the missiles and then the miniguns trumping the helicopters and you have the hot Asian hacker chick and even the suicide bombers blowing up the gate. Uh, and there's even that scene where uh, – it, I forgot it. Did they call it – was it Delta Force? Who was coming in on the Blackhawks to land on the roof? Was that Delta Force? No, it's Steel. It was SEALs, okay. So they're flying the SEALs in, and then whatever the new special Hydra, which is just, you know, we have that. There was nothing I saw. I mean, we do have these Vulcan anti-air guns that can shoot like that. I don't know what was secret about them or what was experimental. But there's a scene where the White House is looking at a top-down view of those helicopters flying around, and it totally looks like a goofy real-time strategy game, right down to the fact that over on the side of the screen in the White House, you have a health bar for each helicopter, and you would see it turn red as the helicopter got shot down. That was, that was just such this ridiculous part of their production design. It's let's have a health bar for the helicopters. Boy, that's kind of fun. I think you're, you're – But see, the problem – I know, but the problem, Kelly Wan, is the movie is so in earnest. You know, oh. if you try to do something like this with an Expendables movie or even like a – I don't know about Die Hard, but I, I don't think – the I think the movie really was taking it all really seriously. Um, and well, I, 
I, What's the game we play where uh, – I apologize because I'm an idiot when it comes to games. But it, it's Call of Duty or something where you rack up – if you rack up a certain number of kills, you can call right. in air support that will shoot those Gatling guns down on all of the soldiers. And like that shoot – what is that? Uh, Call of Duty. Is it Call of Duty? Because w- – the way they were using that C-130 just to shoot a bunch of civilians just reminded me of that. And right. it just seemed like such a waste because you could bring – if you're going to bother to bring that thing into D.C. and you're going to know that you can penetrate airspace, then you might as well bring in a WMD and just level everything. But instead, they're just using Gatling guns. That's all well, they're bothering to do. No, Dingus, remember the bad guy's plot is to nuke all of America. Ah, uh, good point. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. But even then, so Dingus, they're such stupid things. So yeah, and Kelly Wan mentioned this. If he has hacked the president's code, you know, he's got one of the three codes. Why does he need the president? You know, and why are they, why do they draw out the stuff for the Cerberus codes? Yeah. Now we're gonna get this one code. They can do it in five minutes, the way they do it. They go, all right, we're gonna torch you and get it in five seconds. Right. Exactly. Well, the, the reason for that is because he actually wants to survive. Uh, the, the terrorist it, it figures that the president is his final bargaining chip. And at the end, he says, I've got you and I've got it's kind of like you and me and I can go wherever I want now. I mean, that's that's the reason. Uh, well, but Dingus, he, why doesn't he, he just he do survive. that? Why doesn't he just do that and then do the fake we leave and then blow the door to the, the, the tunnels, the MacGuffin tunnel or whatever, the Deus Ex Machina tunnels under the bunker? Uh, why, why didn't they just get the first two codes right off the bat? And enter those in. Like, why, why did he need to draw it out? There's no reason to draw it out. Here's <laughs> another thing. Other than silly dr- dramatics to go, okay, I'm going to choose you, and we're going to get a right. code from you, and then we're going to do the next code in 15 minutes or something. And they did be a poor Ad- Admiral Stockdale there. That was totally like Admiral oh, Stockdale. Uh, and, and then, Digas, why do they why do they need a picture of Connor? Like, how many 13-year-old kids are running, uh, yeah. or 10-year-old kids are running <laughs> in the White House? What was that all about? He has to carry it on him, too. Well, but he's a, he's a white kid, and they might look alike. Why dingus do they? And if they've already hacked the president and got his code, what do they care? They haven't already pa- hacked him. I thought yeah, they did. They the kid just threatened them to get the code out of. Oh, wait, they, they didn't need his code. They I know <laughs> that's the stupid part. Well, they, they, they don't. They don't know going in they're going to get the first two codes. They don't know that for sure. So they know they're going to need two out of three codes, and if they get Connor, they'll get. Three out of three quickly, or they'll be able to. They don't know they're going to be able to torture them and get those two codes from those two instantly. People. Kelly Wand rebuttal. Uh, yeah, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, Dingus, answer me this then. If you can uh, explain stuff in the movie, why was Rada Mitchell in this movie? Uh, because of Red Widow. <laughs> well, oh, a TV show. It's like a promotional tie-in with her TV. It's show. a promotional tie-in for a TV show, exactly. All right. Well, all right. Well done, Dingus. Here's another one, Dingus. Why does Melissa Leo, when she's being dragged presumably to her death, why does she recite the Pledge of Allegiance? Can, can she not sing? Oh, like, I thought it was the not... Ten Commandments. <laughs> who I recites the Pledge so. of Allegiance when they're being dragged off to their death? <laughs> Somebody who doesn't know what the Declaration of Independence You can't put your hand over your heart even because you're getting dragged <laughs> along. So it's kind of, it doesn't count unless you cover your heart. And this is also the second movie we've seen this year, and I'm getting sick and tired of this, where Cole Hauser gets killed too soon. Yeah, that's true. I agree with you on that. At least here he got the titular line. <laughs> so he's got that. Twice. Guy. He got to say it that's twice. That's true. <laughs> hey, was the, why did Ashley Judd die? Like, why? She got totally sent up. She got, I mean, that was awesome. 
No, no, but why did that happen? What happened? She's running for Senate, and it's a Janet Lee moment. <laughs> oh, Jesus, Dingus. How dare you do that to Psycho? That's right. I was doing it to the second one, though. No, but what oh. killed her? Was that a, a gun shooting the windshield or a, a hailstone or, like, what the fuck? No, the tire, it was a, a tire blue. It's a, so it's purely bulls random? Something hit the car. That's, that Not was, a bullet. There's so many awesome things about this movie that no, never was, was that Gerard Butler's failure, then? That's not, I thought it was an assassination tip. He's like, ah, oh, it was an assassination tip, and I fucked up. He's like, he's not in charge of the fucking tires and <laughs> blizzards. What? That doesn't make sense. That's the setup for why he's tortured. Oh, man, i got to take an 18-month break. Because <laughs> the hailstone at the windshield. I could have stopped it. See, because that's a problem. Like, I could see that scene being made to work, but it was just so dark and murky. I don't know if it was the projection problem when we saw this, but so much of this movie was just really dark. Like, I couldn't see anything. It was. Just, I, I really think, actually, where we saw it, Dingus, it, 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 there was a problem with the projector. No, it was really the, all, all the stuff in the White House is super dark. You can't see shit. There's like no White House geography. But what does hit? Because something hits the windshield in that in that first suburban or whatever's driving on that bridge, and it, you feel like. That's going to play out later in the movie. Right. And oh, who shot this thing. It's just a weird, snowy wreck. It's kind and of, then, yeah. And then the, when the car falls, you, it's such a cheaping out of CG because right. you don't see the car hit the ice. You don't see yeah. it disappear. You don't see anything. It's just gone, and then people are screaming, Mom. Exactly. I totally thought we were going to get like a sweet hereafter moment where it falls, right. it lands on the ice, and then the ice crumbles and it sinks. And instead, we just have to take it for granted that, oh, it was so terrible that she's obviously dead. Yeah, because yeah, it went, it capsized 10 feet. <laughs> capsized. Down. I don't know that that's what If it's that a car, means. yeah, a car's a nice jump. <laughs> when a car lands upside down, it is capsizing. Yeah. But he doesn't even try. Go on. Sorry. That's, I was just going to say, is there is there any doubt that Dylan McDermott is going to turn out to be the bad guy? I mean, does anybody doubt that's got the happen? evil haircut? And- well, you know, I didn't. I mean, you know, there. I for for a while, I was thinking that they were going to maybe let all the Secret Servicemen be good guys. Uh, but yeah, they needed, and I feel think it's like the reason they did that is they wanted to rip off that uh, Alan Rickman moment from Die Hard. Where yeah. it, it complete with a cigarette, you know, where he confronts him and the audience knows he's the bad guy, but he, the right. hero, doesn't know that he's the bad guy. I mean, he was totally a. What, is, what does Alan Rickman say his name is, Dingus? Do you remember? Bill Clay. Oh, wow. Very good, Dingus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like a Bill Clay moment. Uh, yeah. yeah, I tried to rip that up. It didn't do it right. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, they, they do a lot of that. They have him calling yeah. the wife and doing it like a tearful, I'm going to leave a message. Kind Except of in Die Hard, the. the the geography of that building was was extremely important. Everything that was going on, and Bruce Willis was always affecting everything that happened, even when it wasn't about him, like the RV and the fact, like everything. And in this, it's just like Gerard Butler, like dodging rotors and shit. Like it's he's just getting lucky. <laughs> but at the I end, of the day, point, that's a really good point because the geography of the White House in this is horrible. Yeah, I mean, it's no just idea. Like right. iconic building, and then we have this Truman. Did Truman gut the White House in forty eight or forty nine? And wow. then the, the the walls are so wide, you could you could have a soccer team in there. I mean, what the hell is in is going on in this building? The Tropic Plaza is so specific. I, I really like that you brought that up, Kelly, because I was so disturbed by them running through the walls. Like we could put we could rent out this space for you know efficiency apartments for half of DC. But I don't I don't understand what the hell the layout of the White House is supposed to be. And it should be, be critical. It should be. A it super- should be. And he, you know, Gerard Butler falls off of the roof 
to avoid a, a rotor and then falls through the roof and then he's back in the scene again and he's fine. It's like he's just he's hit. Like, oh, back. Oh. But right. oh, God, that is so annoying. Uh, if you want to see a good scene about someone trapped behind a wall, uh, Kelly Wan, do you remember that scene in the remake of, of is it The Mechanic? That Ben Foster thing with Jason Statham, the remake of the Jan Michael Vincent, Charles yeah. Bronson assassin. Yeah. So the, the remake of The Mechanic. Dingus, have you seen that? Oh, yeah. Because oh, there's a really good scene about someone stuck behind a wall in that movie, which I thought of watching this one. With You're, you're right, Dingus. It was just like a whole extra hall back there. And it was so random yeah, that the bad guys decide to shoot at that one yeah. area. I mean, Same as Dread, another mouth acting. Especially when their their purported aim is to capture Connor so they can use him. <laughs> right. Maybe Dingus, Dingus, you don't know. Those could have been non-lethal bullets. That's a good point. It was not a serious bullet. <laughs> uh, let's talk about uh, Rick, who is that guy, Yoon. <laughs> Oh. That's another line. Okay, that's another line. I, I did it. I did come so close to really, really wanting to like this movie when Morgan Freeman has that moment. But I don't. I don't think the movie knew that that was funny though. I don't think they understood <laughs> oh. what they were onto. That. Okay, you you win that point, Tom. That's that's true. <laughs> the whole movie could have been funny if they thought about it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just entirely in earnest, and even uh, so, I don't know. Yeah, so all right, so we. Uh, well, you know, obviously, Hans Gruber only has to shoot one person through the head. This guy, how many did, what's the, uh, this oh, guy's right and left. Yes. This movie. Yeah. But so does Gerard Butler. He shoots some people in the head. Everyone gets shot in the head. Which I did kind of, again, R-rated gunplay. Yeah, At you completely cut away from it. But it's it's not R-rated enough. I mean, why aren't, if it's R-rated, why not just show us him stabbing the guy in the brain and, and him, and whoever they're shooting in the head, shooting in the head. Why are they being coy about that? Is it is it for other cuts? I mean, I don't understand that. I, I, mean, no, he, he, I mean, he stabs Rick Yoon in, in the brain. I mean, that's what he says he's going to do. Right. Uh, so just show us. If you're going to do it, yeah. it's an Here's, R anyway. Hey, you set him up. You have her punch, he punched Melissa Leo in the face, and same as, like, uh, the car. You don't get to see the comeuppance. Well, here, here's what I'm guessing the deal is, is that when they're shooting it, they have to hedge their bets for whether or not they're going to be able to get get away with an R or have to clean it up at some point and make it a PG-13. Uh, so that when they they realize it's an R, they don't have to clean it up. But it, so much of it is so dark and hard to see anyway. You know, Dingus, you sh- we watched that last scene from uh, The Departed recently. And yeah. that, you know, clearly they know that's an R. They're shooting that to be an R. All those headshots are just so florid. Um, and they didn't do that here, I'm guessing, just because at some point they're like, you know what, we need to be prepared for the eventuality that this is, that it's going to come down the line that we have to be PG-13. No, you shoot both if you're smart, and then you use the R1 once you have well, it. But, but it, it does cost money to shoot those violent moments. Not I mean, the, the, the problem is that early on, they're, they're, they're tossing the F word around like it's candy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think they know. I mean, when when Ashley Judd is, is trapped in the seatbelt and the guy can't open the door, he's like, this door, he doesn't say the door is jammed, he says the door is fucking jammed. I mean, they're, they're throwing that around like crazy. Okay, like I have a new crap. theory. I have a new theory. All right. Okay, so the theory is that it can't, that Jared Butler can't be too brutal because the audience won't sympathize with him enough. They want right. him just to sort of be a likable, nice guy. They even kind of hedge their bets when he's yeah. torturing and, and killing the two poor dudes who are <laughs> laughing. Like, like you know, that's the point where 
if if this was a serious movie, we would then see how actually grim and brutal and evil he can be, and the movie doesn't want to show us any of that. Uh, so there you That's go. I like think information, but that, his method only works if you're doing two guys at the same time. It's very convenient that he managed to capture two of them. Yes, yeah. it's very lucky for him. Uh, so and I want to say, and then that guy gets killed too. So it's like, all right, you have your choice of not saying it and getting killed, or saying it and getting killed that quickly anyway. Which would you have opted for, Kelly Wand? Both. <laughs> so. uh, I, one of the things that I enjoy with this kind of movie is uh, it's it's cultural context. It's interesting watching the cultural context of these kind of movies over the years and how we feel about presidents, because there's this uh, there you know this is clearly a movie made at a time when it's okay to like the president and to, to sort of root for the president and the president to be a good guy. Uh, this is all very, I think, post-Clinton stuff because, you know, all these things like like West Wing, American President, Air Force One, I think those are all the product of Hollywood going, yeah, you know, we like our president. Let's root for our president. He's a cool guy. I think that's what's going on with Olympus Has Fallen because I think back to stuff like Escape from New York, which is 1981. Uh, you know, that's just, what is that, it's like five, six, it's like six. Reagan. Well, Reagan, Watergate, Watergate too. Yeah. Like Watergate, had sort of undermined the idea of the presidency. So, in in uh, Escape from New York, you cast Donald Pleasance as this ineffectual, bumbling, weak president who has to be rescued. No and way. even then, even if you rescue the president, eh, it's not that big a deal. You could have just let him die. It doesn't matter. Go ahead and sabotage, you know, his important mission. It doesn't matter. Like, it, 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 there's no respect for the office of the presidency in Escape from New York. Uh, and it's interesting to me to see, you know, now we have. Uh, Aaron Eckhart, all-around nice guy. You know, he's Harvey Dent for Pete's sake. Uh, he's like the Tight president. He's a good guy. Yeah, and doesn't also, go ahead, Kelly Wand. Uh, it's like now that Obama's president, it seems less likely that we'll actually lose more monuments, so it's a little safer to make that kind of a movie. Whilst well, Bush was president, it's like oh, you don't want to show planes in the Washington Monument because the terrorists might watch it, and, like want to do it. But now it's like. That's they're not going to watch it now. They're, the terrorists won't get any ideas from Olympus Has Fallen. Or since it's Obama, there's less chance of their succeeding. <laughs> I, uh, I do want to also point out, if you want to see a really good part action, part kind of heist movie about the executive office under siege, uh, and I might have mentioned this movie to you guys before, uh, there's a really good movie from maybe five years ago, called The President's Last Bang. Now, the problem here, not the problem, but the caveat, the caveat here is that it's the president of South Korea. <laughs> it's not an American movie. Uh, but there's a really cool Korean th thriller called The President's Last Bang, which is like, you know, what if this kind of thing went down? And the, the funny thing, you, you said documentary, Kelly Wan, the funny thing about The President's Last Bang is that it is based on an actual event. You know, it, it's, it's based on stuff that actually happened, and it has a very Dr. Strangelove quality to it at times. Um, that, oh, wait, Dr. Strangelove really happens? Uh, the events of the president's last bang, which is about uh, basically an attack on the executive office. Actually, I don't even. Yeah, uh, it, it was based on something that actually happened in South Korea. Yeah. Well, it further bolsters your point, Tom, and, and maybe you said this and I just missed it. Is that the bad guy? The reason he's the bad guy is because he doesn't like the president. In uh, in in Olympus has fallen. You mean? In Olympus has fallen. I mean, he hasn't voted for him twice, and he is angry about globalization in Wall Street. And oh, you're talking about Dylan McDermott. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, I mean, little... he's 
he's decrying the president. He says point blank, "I didn't vote for you twice." Right. And the the idea is that he that the whole reason this thing happened is because he went over there, and he's I don't know some sort of Tea Party dude or whatever who's <laughs> who who has decided I hate the president because of what the president is doing, and I'm going to now assail it. And so your idea of the presidency is now okay to defend. Well, the bad guy not only smokes, which is his main uh, sin, but he also hates the president, which is Barack Obama. We all know this. Uh, so I, I kind of like that that point there. And that whole – the fact that they have to single out something as kind of uh, vague as globalization for, for his motivation. I mean, yeah. globalization is the kind of stuff that, that you have, like, tea partiers talking about. You know, like, the, the UN is going to come in and take away all of our guns. Like, it's it's that kind of, of paranoia. This globalization, like, mentioning that as his agenda. Globalization. Uh, globalization awesome. circumferencization. <laughs> Kelly Wan, don't Sorry. even go there. Oh. <laughs> Wait, so at the end, when Aaron Eckhart gives that speech, the press conference, oh. like, yeah, we totally won. Fuck yeah, America, woo. It's like, wouldn't this real story be, okay, my Secret Service has, is full of moles, and we're now at war with North Korea. <laughs> they just came in and almost fucking nuked our asses with their own nukes. Let's bomb them. Because he was against the war till then, but now it's like... That speech is so horribly yeah. written. They actually, he actually says the line, to foul our beliefs. That's the line they put in that speech. Foul's not what, you, you, exactly. You see that dingus, and you're you're like, no White House speechwriter would ever. You know, you, that's when yeah. you know that White House speechwriters are better than the people who wrote the script of this movie. <laughs> yeah, they're frustrated uh, presidential speechwriters. <laughs> uh, all right, so uh, let's see. Anything else worth uh, Kelly Wand? How did you feel about uh, when our audience? <laughs> They actually applauded, I can think of two times, so Dingus and I saw this together, Dingus, we got applause when Lincoln was used to being a Korean, when a Lincoln bust was used to being a really? Korean. Really? That got yeah. applause? That got applause. Yeah, and, take that, Skull. And uh, when, when Gerard <laughs> Butler, yes. and when Gerard Butler saves Melissa Leo, that got applause, too. Wait, Our audience was see, very happy about that. Oh, he shot in the head, well, no. When she's when you know that Rick Yoon is going to shoot her as she's walking out the door, uh, and then Gerard Butler opens fire and distracts him, and Melissa Leo runs to safety. The audience applauded. They didn't applaud at the end when they went. Yeah, he typed something in time. USA typing. Actually, they they did, didn't they? Dingus, wasn't there a smattering of applause at one point? Did they count it down like three, two, yeah? Like that. There was a lot. We had plenty of applause, but the two main applause points were the ones you're talking about. But when the Lincoln bus was used to smash that guy's head, and everybody broke into applause. Because <laughs> Dingus Lincoln, is, Lincoln is very hot nowadays. One two three, not only la 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 la, one eighty when I'm caught in between. One two three, we kind of limped toward that one. I could tell the top was trying to, I go, oh, he doesn't, he would have made it, he could have given me a more out stop talking. Uh, I'm ready to do a three by three. I'm over no this. Sex interaction. Uh, I, until, you know what, it, it, I'm, I'm just going to hang fire now until Channing Tatum has his turn. Oh. You know what, there's never been a single president. They always get married. Like, American president, hello. Hello, American president. Widower. Yeah. Should I pass her a note at recess? 
And this guy was a widower. Was that Aaron Sorkin, Dingus? Did he write that? Yeah. Just at the Y. Wait. And uh, and uh, the right. president from West Wing was uh, in that movie, not as the president. Tom played that part, didn't he? No, he was Gordon. Oh. <laughs> do it. Do it, Gordon. Uh, all right, let's do a three by three. Kelly Wand, this is cute meetings, right? <laughs> Why Tom can't you? Believe in? You know, you got to open your heart, Tom. <laughs> Look into your heart. All right, explain what this is, Kelly Wand, to people who don't know what cute meetings are. Romantic comedies have various uh, signatures. One's mm-hmm. where um, one of them wises up and realizes that they're in love with their best friend, and the other one's that. Um... <laughs> <laughs> when they meet, they meet comp like it's. They, they like trip over shit because they're actually they're gonna fuck soon and they're excited and so it's thrown off their motor skills. <laughs> Is that what's going on? <laughs> oh, uh, now know what's going on. That's awesome. I might have done this wrong then. I wasn't really, so I I I still can't believe this is an actual thing. A meet cute, as you call it, Kelly Wand. Uh, because never it, cute my life, Wand. In any movie where a couple meets, it's going to be cute. You know, couples don't meet, and there's not going to be a movie where a couple meets and it's not a cute, memorable moment. A so, lot of yes, romantic yes. movies they meet cute, like that, like uh, Human Centipede. You know what? None of mine are actually romantic comedies, so I might have broken this topic. Oh no. So here's the deal. I picked things because I, I, you know, you. you Cute meets are a dime a dozen. They're, uh, you know, you, you get a couple of likable actors, you get a good script, and yeah, there's going to be a cute meeting, and it's going to be great and fine, and uh, we can find these in, in all kinds of movies. What I picked were movies that had cute meetings where you then see that it doesn't turn out so well in the end. Like <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Well, thanks for ruining my number three. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so these are these are meetings where it's cute, but then the movie is actually going to see it through to the bitter end. Uh, in in these cases, so uh, my my number three choice, um, it's not a movie; it's a segment in an anthology. Uh, the anthology is called VHS, and the cute. <laughs> oh, you know what? I should do a line from it. Here's a line. What movie is this line from? What? I I have no idea what you're saying. Phantom Menace. (laughs) So that is the protagonist's line to this weird girl who is looking at him in a bar in a segment called Amateur Night in a movie called VHS. Uh, And we've talked about this segment before. I don't think we did a podcast on it. But uh, I I, I I love where that goes. Uh, and I love how the actress, her name is Hannah Fearman. We don't know who the kid is with the glasses because it's a found footage movie. And the idea is that he's wearing glasses that have a secret camera in them. And he and his buddies have gone out and they're going to surreptitiously shoot a porno when they uh, pick up some girl and get her drunk and then have sex with her. And uh, it's a horror movie, so it doesn't quite turn out that way. They fuck up the porn part. Uh, but in the course of uh, of the first part of this segment, the kid with the glasses sees this woman, this girl in the room who keeps looking at him. And I love how she – you can pick her out in other shots even when there's other stuff going on and how she's kind of stalking him. And when she finally comes up and talks to him, uh, she's not a normal person. You find out more later in the segment. She doesn't know enough to speak loudly when there's loud music going on, so he can't hear what she is saying. Um, 
Uh, so there you go. That's I, I love that little cute meeting in VHS. Doesn't she open with "I like you"? Eventually, that's what she's trying to say to him, uh, and then he says to her, "I like you too." So, do you ever come here before? <laughs> <laughs> that is a meet cute. You figure, you see, you know what you're talking about. Okay, good. Yeah, because it's very cute dialogue. And he's the thing is the the sort of the the twist here is that his buddies are jerks and they're exploitive, but uh, he's an actual nice guy who has some trepidation about what he's being pressed into service to do. Yeah, it's a meet cute in dark circumstances. Sure. Dark circumstances, and it doesn't turn out well. I don't want to spoil anything. It does for her. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> it's, her, it's, it's the best night of her life. Uh, all right, so there's my number three pick. Dingus, what is your number three pick for a meet cute? All right, here's my number three, and it has a quote. They shared a sleeping bag and survived on crackers and root beer. Ah, uh, that's my number three, too. Ha-ha. <laughs> Damn. That is a pretty meat cute, huh? Uh, so what is it, Kelly? Moonrise Queendom? No. Oh. It's Royal Tenenbaums. It's oh, Royal, oh, I get this mixed awesome. up. All right, and so the meat cute is uh, adopting a girl at two years old, and her brother meets her. See, I've heard, used that line so many times. I ma- it made me think that I'd heard it in a movie theater more recently. Kelly Wan, what kind of bird are you? Uh, Royale with cheese. Not you, Kelly. Tom was asking me. <laughs> uh, so Dingus is his Royal Tenenbaums. It, so it's Richie and Margo, and it's them meeting, obviously, when they were toddlers. Uh, we don't see that meeting. But I choose to choose that because I think that's a lovely idea of Hollywood deciding that um, incest is okay. Wow. <laughs> that's the point I got in the movie. <laughs> yeah. I, do you understand what the, the word cute means? <laughs> I think I do. Um, look what happened. You're actually doing better than Dingus. Well, actually, Kelly, when we talked about the one you're about to pick, uh, I love this one. So tell yeah. us about your number three choice for a meet cute. Give us a line, Kelly Wand. What kind of bird are you? Because <laughs> that is an awesome scene. The so give us the movie and describe the scene for us. Moonrise right, Kingdom, and he, like, he steals a way to do it, which which means maybe he's seen her before or he's seen the play before, and he just hits on girls who play that part. But he goes I, I to get the, the sense in that scene. Don't you see him making a beat? Like he, he's going somewhere. Yeah, it's, it's specific to her. It's not right. Yeah, yeah he's not just bursting into the room. And, and what I love too, is when he says, "What kind of bird are you?" and another girl starts answering. Yeah. It's one of the few moments where he's a. I mean, I guess he, it's it's a moment where he's very assertive and very particular, and he right. tells the other girl, not you, I, I, "What's the actual line? What does he say? Is it I was talking to her, or what does not, he say?" Not you, her. Yeah. No, and, no, he goes, what kind of bird are you? And then he says it again, and he points at her. And then she's all, I'm a frog marlin, or whatever it is. Is that a real bird, Kelly Wand? No, it's like the other chick got kind of screwed if it's just costume-based. Like, she can't get laid in that costume. <laughs> Kelly Wand! <laughs> but it's very specific. I mean, this has never happened before. This is entirely specific. That's what's so great about it. Yeah. Uh, all right, so Kelly Wand, uh, um, um, we have two Wes Andersons. Uh, and one He's horror. He's master of meat cutes. 
He really is, yeah. Well, that's the thing is, I thought about the bottle rocket bit with Inez, uh, uh, whatever, uh, but with, uh, with, with Luke Wilson, uh, following Inez around, isn't that her name? Uh, around the yeah, hotel. Yeah. But, yeah, I love The Indian that. chick and, uh, oh, what? Rhyme Lita, or no, uh, Lime Rita. Jesus. <laughs> Indian Lita. chicks. Is it, is it in her name Lime Rita? Doesn't, Lime Ricky? What do they call her? Uh, Darjeeling Limited. Anyway, yeah, also uh, very meat cute. <laughs> Kama Sutra. See, they're so far ahead of us. Uh, <laughs> Kelly Wand, my number two. I'm going to give you a line from my number two. This is a little, uh, let's see, where should I go? Here we go. Uh, Cynthia Lamond. She was one of the barmaids at work. We talked like once that I could remember. She was reading a book behind the bar and she showed it to me. It wasn't much of a conversation. The book was something by Voltaire. I don't have a clue who Voltaire is. What's that from? Wait, you went, oh, which one should I use? And so you just have that memorized out of several? No, 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 I wrote this down. I actually watched this. Uh, Rum Diaries. Uh, Kelly Lynn, I don't think you've seen this. Dingus, you have seen this. Is that ringing bells for you? Are you sure I've seen this movie? Yeah. Okay, here you go. This will help. I'm going to actually... Ready? (laughs) She was one of the bad maids at work. We talked like once that I could remember. She was reading a book behind a bad. She showed it to me. It wasn't much of a conversation. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> Shirley Valentine. God, my Australian accent fell apart. Oh. The book was something by Voltaire. I didn't have a clue who Voltaire was. Young Einstein. <laughs> Jesus, that was awful. <laughs> so, uh, there's a there's a, a not very well known movie by a director named John Curran. Uh, a movie <laughs> called Praise. Fingers <laughs> um, <laughs> Just like the girl in VHS that likes you. This is a good... Yes. Uh, Praise is based on a kind of a slacker romance written by a fellow named Andrew McGahan. Uh, and it's uh, it's the, the movie, directed by John Curran, uh, is this slacker guy who lives in this weird retirement home. He's pretty much unemployed. One of the recent jobs he lost, uh, he worked there with this girl named Cynthia. And the movie opens with him getting a call and her basically inviting him over. And he really doesn't recall much about who she is. So uh, she comes. he comes over to her house and he, he brings beer. And this is the little voiceover where he explains that he doesn't know her. He doesn't really remember her. They just talked about the book that she was reading. Uh, and then the movie becomes about their romance, their relationship. Uh, and it follows it through to its, its painful, difficult ending. Uh, and uh, I, lo- I love this movie. I so like Praise a lot. The, the two like actors it. in it, Peter Fenton and Sasha Horler. You probably haven't seen them in anything else, but they're both very, very good, especially Sasha Horler. Um, and I just love their, their meeting. It's, you know, they don't... Uh, that when, when he shows up at her house, she doesn't really – they don't seem to know much about each other. It's just kind of for lack of something better to do, they hang out and drink beer. Um, so uh, that's my, my number two meet cute is the opening of Praise. Should I see that movie? Yes. Yeah. Please, I'm begging you. We've begged you for three years to see that movie, and that's yeah, a great meet cute. Good God. Do you want me to do lines from it again, Kelly Wand? Yeah, but please do. I I could just praise if I could, if I could just get an iPod full of your Australian accent. That would be awesome. So, Kelly, we had a three by three of uh, of lines that should be famous, and one of them was uh, later on in the relationship when it's not topic. going. Later on in the relationship when it's not going well, uh, Peter Fenton, uh, her, his name is Gordon. He apologizes to Cynthia and he says, "I'm sorry." 
And and her line, which is one of those lines that should totally be famous because she's so angry, is her response is, uh, "You'll never be sorry enough." <laughs> I just well, love that stuff. And she's so good. I can hear. This is one of these actresses. I can just hear her voice in my head. I love her voice. Yeah. <sighs> Kelly Wan, if this helps, there's a lot of nudity in it. Yeah. Girl alert guy. Uh, yep. let it, yeah, exactly. See? You so bet. it's not praise AYS. Uh, no, it's praise. And I don't even, because I've read the book. The book is really good, too. I don't even remember what the significance of the title is. You certainly don't know from the movie. Uh, it's, it's just called that because that's what Andrew McGain's book was called. Or was he just fishing for compliments from film critics? <laughs> could be. He wanted to write a book where it could have a handy little latch for a reviewer to write a positive Standing review. O. Yeah. <laughs> Staggering work of heartbreaking genius. Right. <laughs> kind of thing. Out, out too soon. <laughs> All right, Kelly Wan, what is your number? Or no, Dingus, what is your, give us a line from your number two pick for a meet cute. And do it right. in Australian accent. I can't, but I'll, I'll do it in an Irish accent. Oh, cake baby. Your cake, baby. You had your sign. It was your face. That was you. <laughs> That's Dingus as Chris O'Dowd. That's right. <laughs> this, oh, damn, that is good. But, but see, okay. Uh, well, that's a good one. Go. Come on. And it was referenced yeah, in I'm... the call. Yeah. I was, right. that was <laughs> What's your that favorite was a, movie? I was an envious moan because I like Dingus's choice. Uh-huh. That is a good meet, too. Damn it. Oh, I love I love this. I love Chris Adowd in this, and I and I, damn it, I love Bridesmaids so darn much. Uh, and so when he pulls her over because of her faulty brake light, and how that plays out for the rest of the movie, I you know this is that standard romantic comedy meet cute, but of course this is romantic comedy uh, girl style, um, and he's he's kind of the chicken in this. But I really I God I love this. And so yeah, I love and I love him. I think he's great in this, and I love their chemistry. So yeah, bridesmaids. There you go. Uh, Dingus, uh, cop talks weird. <laughs> cop rock though. <laughs> Kelly Wan, give us a line from your number two favorite meat cute. Uh, the one Dingus just did. <laughs> but <laughs> a different meat cute. No, no, I ch- uh, it's uh, oh, you're an air marshal, right? I like that meat cute. Melissa McCarthy and her real-life boyfriend. You're going to steal from the movie Dingus just picked. Well, it's a different cup. It's a different cute and me. Uh, and so it's Melissa McCarthy. What is her real-life husband's name? Ben? Uh, oh, dadgummit. What's that actor's name? Oh, we know? Crap. No, I can't remember. I don't. That, that wasn't part of the 3x3 the three three, um, task. Well, I can see his face in my head. Tom, you're killing me here. Well, he had a he had a part in Identity Thief as well as the hotel clerk fella. I know he did. Oh, shoot. All right. If you guys don't like one, if you guys don't appreciate talent enough to remember somebody's name, I'm very disappointed in both of you. They have a sandwich fetish, which is understandable. But also, it's a meet cute because it looks at the time like she's just being dumb, but then later. It turns out that she wasn't dumb. She's right. So it was an air marshal. Right. Dingus, I have a question for you. <laughs> She's right. It was an air marshal. Tom says very serious. <laughs> Dingus, yeah. do, you think that, do you think that that was Kelly's actual pick or that you inspired a last-minute, uh, uh, what do you call it, a callback? What did you do in football? Were you, oh, an audible. Or audible. do you think that you inspired an audible? No, it was clearly the latter. He inspired in an audible. All right. Kelly, what did you originally have as your number two? Uh... I had Barfly or Moulin Rouge. <laughs> had you picked? Had you? Had you even solidified your three by three before starting this? 
And your sister's sister was my other. <laughs> All right, well, here's my number one pick for my favorite meet cute. Again, because of how, you know, cute meetings are a dime a dozen. I enjoy <laughs> movies that see it through to the bitter end. Uh, here's a line. You guys ready for this? This is my job. I make money. Money I can take girls out on dates with. Oh, Tom. That's a great one. Damn it. Did you do that just because of the preview? No, did, or, I, mean, did you, no I, guess, I didn't watch. So, so okay, this is from Blue Valentine, directed by. Blue, that's a great. That's a great one. Damn it! I love that line. You jerk. Uh, it's directed by Derek Cien France, who has a new movie out next week, which we'll be seeing called uh, uh, "The Place Beyond the Pines." Uh, uh, Blue wow. Valentine I'm is. Going. Damn it. That's a well, great... hold on. So Blue Valentine, you should have thought of this. Actually, well, I'm you sure you've got one coats. that's better, Dingus. I, I you... forgot that, the, that you st- – uh, that, it's obvious that you have the, the meeting. I mean that's a great uh, – all right, go ahead. Damn so, it. so the, the scene is – so so Blue Valentine, by the way, not a romantic comedy, uh, a, a staggeringly painful uh, look at relationships, which I think praise is as well. It's sort of in the same category. Um, and But it starts with the – characters sort of remembering back to a different time and there's a sort of a shuffled narrative thing but one of the beautiful things the movie does is it leads up to it's it's ryan gosling and michelle williams are the the actors uh, and it leads up to the moment where they met by following ryan gosling's character and then the it it comes to the moment that he lays eyes on michelle williams the first moment in his life that in his life that he has ever seen her and then it cuts before we know what he has seen, before oh. we know that it's seen her, it stops and then it backs up and it shows us her life leading up to that moment. Uh, and it's so great the fact that he makes eye contact, he sees her, and then they don't do the normal reverse shot. I mean, they do the reverse shot to Michelle Williams, but it's her in the future. So they do this great thing where they leave you hanging at that moment where their eyes first meet and they first meet each other. They kind of suspend that. They, they table it for a little bit to show us other stuff, and then we catch up her character, and then we see where they go from there. And it's a moment where he has just done this really cool thing to move a fella into a retirement home, and as he's walking out of the guy's room, he's been paid to help move the guy's stuff. He's taking his money off the dresser, and what we later realize, and why he has this funny look in his face when you see him looking out the door, is that he sees Michelle Williams across the hall having seen him pick up the money. And he knows right off that, hey, she thinks I stole the money. So he goes across the hall, and this is this is delayed till later in the movie, of course, to explain to her, you think I stole this money, didn't you? Well, I didn't. Uh, you know, this is, I make – I work in a job, and this is what I get paid, and I can use this money to take out girls. And so he then gives her his number and says, you know, call me, and he's hitting on her. And, uh, it's just very adorable. Um, but the, 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 the really difficult, just kind of brutal thing about Blue Valentine is, you know, how, how their relationship ends up, uh, is how it's not a romantic comedy. It's, uh, it's just a, a painfully stark, romantic, realistic drama. It's a romantic comedy with a realistic ending. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and so I, I have no idea what the place beyond the pines is. All I know that Ryan Gosling is that Ryan Gosling is in it. I know that Derek France is directing it. Uh, you know that pines aren't where the movie takes place. There's no pines right. It's past there. there. Past those. Right, right. There might be pines there, but it's mainly beyond the main body of pines. Whatever metaphorically the pines represent will be irrelevant. Right. What's the, uh, what's the actual line again, Tom? Uh, this is my job. I make money. Money I can take girls out on dates with. 
Because he goes over there and he knocks. He's like, excuse yeah. me, can I talk to you a minute? <laughs> she, she says uh, she doesn't want anything to do with him, which is great. And you even see the moment where she kind of breaks down and smiles at him and realizes, you know, he, she, you realize that she's charmed by him. Um, and the editing, the editing of that yeah. is so exquisite. Oh, God, it is, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonderful edit. Yeah. <sighs> Damn it. That's a really – yeah, all right, you win. That's a no, really no, Dingus, I'm sure you've got one that's at least that good. So, Dingus, what have you chosen – for your number one meet cute, and maybe give us a line from it. See, that line doesn't work good if you're poor. You can only use it if. Never mind. <laughs> Mine is so horrible now. That's I love. That. I just want to sit here and think about Blue Valentine. Damn Did it. I see that movie? You've seen Blue Valentine. Shut up. I didn't Are you see serious, it. Kelly Wand? It was my it's number. I think it might have been my it's number. On both four. of our lists. Yeah, it was my number four for 2010, I think. But I thought it was a romantic comedy, so I didn't watch it. Are you serious? You didn't see? I, I, you know, Kelly, one. I think we even told you that uh, again. A lot of Michelle Williams nudity in there. Didn't that didn't oh, yeah. get you to see it? That didn't even work. I forgot. I forgot. All right. So so much nudity to keep track of. Sorry, Dinkus. She's so. I mean, she's so good in that. I mean, so it's a freaking heartbreaking movie. It's hard to watch. Uh, but I like so that. You should see. It. So Kelly, one praise and uh, Blue Valentine, and uh, then you should watch Bridesmaids again. <laughs> All right, Dingus, give us a line for your number one pick for a meat cute. All right, here's a line from it. Vaison Madei, I Munga, directive? Huh? Directive? Sounds like it's Fifth Element or something. Is it Miller Chovovich and Fifth Element? Let's see, Pass. Or Caveman. No, Caveman uh, directives, Kelly Wand. Is it, oh, you know what? Is it Star Trek? Is it like V'ger? Is it Persis Combata in Star Trek 1? Uh, what? Directive. That's Tom. It made Tom think of Star Trek. <laughs> no, this is when Wally meets Eve. Uh, in- oh! That oh, is a good one. Yeah, it is, actually. All right, so this is Wally meeting Eve in Wally. And she's going through different languages to try to figure out what, how to talk to this little robot. And she says, Vizon Bidet, I'm Minga. Directive? Huh? Directive? And then he shows what he's supposed to do and goes, Ta-da! And then asks her for her directive. And she says, That's classified. And that's their, the beginning of their relationship. She almost shoots him, too. Which no, there's a lot of no. He, yeah, she's. I mean, it's it's all. It's like a metaphor for the terrible, destructive yeah. power of a beautiful woman. Exactly. So that's why I love it so here. Much. There you go. So Wally, Eve, and uh, Wally meeting. That is a great one between a guy shooting at you and a woman shooting at you. Guys, I want, you you did not specify that it had to be meetings between humans. So there. No. Yeah. Dingus wins. Or ties. I, I, don't, I don't win when Luke Valentine has been suggested. No, robots, dude. Totally cute. Robots. Well, Kelly, then what is your number one pick that uh, is equally as good as Blue Valentine and Wally? I'm going to do the quotes. Okay. <clears throat> excuse me, excuse me. I don't mean to harass you, but I was really impressed with the capable and stylish manner in which you dealt with that situation. I was thinking to myself, now this girl's special. Thanks. What's your name? Diane. Where are you going, Diane? I'm going home. Where's that? It's where I live. Great. What? Well, I'll come back with you if you like, but like I'm not promising anything, you know. 
Do you find this approach usually works? So let me guess, you've never tried it before. In fact, you don't normally approach girls, am I right? The truth is that you're a quiet, sensitive type. But if I'm prepared to take a chance, I might just get to know the inner you. Witty, adventurous, passionate, loving, loyal, taxi, a little bit crazy, a little bit bad. But hey, don't ask girls, just love that. Uh... <laughs> What's wrong, boy? Cat got your tongue? And she leaves the window, or no, the door, with the window on it open. Is this showgirls or something? Shut up, Tom! Dingus. <laughs> Clearly, Trey. Tra- <laughs> like, you're just reading the script from this movie. No, I memorized it like Tom did, because I'm really is it, it, It's tr- Is it train spotting? Yeah! Come on, Kelly McDonald, what's cuter than that? Oh, oh nice, Kelly McDonald. Yeah. yeah, see? Tricked you. I sandbag crap 99 times out of 100, so that 100th time looks even better. You didn't do the accent, though. I can't do that. It's killing McDonald. It'll be too distracting to me if I try to do her <laughs> accent. I mean, too much. But come on, Kelly McDonald, meet cute. Yeah. Everything's uh, neat with I, her. I love, uh, I don't know, uh, it's, it's always interesting to watch in meet cutes when the guy is so incredibly persistent. Uh, and it's one of the notable things about Ryan Gosling in Blue Valentine, too. Uh, but the, the one that, that it reminded me of that I looked up, uh, and, and I would have picked this just because I love this movie so much, but it didn't fit my little theme of, you know, I wanted to see a, mute, a meet cute played out to the bitter end. Uh, let me do an exchange for you guys like Kelly Wan did. And actually, I could do this from memory, I'm pretty sure, just because I've seen this movie like so many times. I'm sure I've probably seen this movie like 40 times or whatever. So here you go. You ready for this? Here's a meat cute. Doesn't fit my criteria, but it would be a runner up. Can I ask you a serious question? Absolutely not. Well, in that case, would you ever just consider jumping inside? Sure, but never with someone in your condition. Well, let's talk about my condition. What's wrong with my condition? You should try, you should try standing downwind from where I am. It's Miller time. You know what I always say when it's Miller time? You guys know what that's from? And then uh, some thugs Wait. push by, and he goes, hey. Is that, uh, Jesus. That's not, but I, that's not New York. Damn it. New York. New no. York. It's not Escape from New York. No, it's not Escape from New York. No, close, it Dick. It's close. It's, it's Kurt Russell uh, hitting on Kim Cattrall in the airport. Oh, Can yeah. I ask you a serious question? Absolutely not. <laughs> like, that's their first meeting. He just walks up to her in Big Trouble in Little China. Uh <laughs> And then he eats with that line. And he's so good-natured and persistent. How do you know that so well? I haven't seen Big Trouble in Little China in years. I've seen that movie. I I mean, it's one of those movies I used to have on VHS as a kid, and I'd fall asleep watching it, you know, like that and Blade (laughs) Runner. But I just love how persistent he is. Everything she says to shoot him down and say he's not interested, he's got a comeback for. And he is unfazed, and he's just so, like, charming uh, and laid back. Uh, Well, they end the conversation if they're really not interested. Well, she's there. She's kind of. She's not paying that much attention to him. She's got a photograph. She's supposed to meet someone at the airport, and she knows that the uh, what's the death gang? It's like a gang that's like chasing the person she's supposed to meet. Um, so the stakes for her, you know, she's really like on edge, and he's just like trying to hang out and talk to this hot chick. But he, she needs to relax. So that's where he would come in. You know what I'm saying. Can I ask you a serious question? Absolutely not. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> I didn't mean See, to jump runners up, Kelly Wan, because we might have some uh, some good meat cutes from our readers. Oh Jesus! You know, remember last week I implored. I go, yeah, hey, more female listeners, and then I thought meat cute would be a good way to trick them into mm-hmm. uh, you know doing a Kurt Russell basically. 
It's only two fucking uh, submissions. After well, the explosions was nine million. <laughs> no, neither of them are, unless Fred Bo's a girl's name. Uh, Fred and Lynn doesn't it doesn't. Oh yeah, you're right. actually yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. How come he gets the name in the like it's Fred Bo and not Fred and Lynn Bo? Kaiwan, who's to say how people use their email? Mm. That's true. Mm. Well said. The more you know. <laughs> three meet cutes for Tom exclamation point times three. Thank See you. Tom. I look forward to these. <laughs> Educating Tom. Uh, number three, a beautifully understated. <laughs> uh, these are good. A beautifully understated meet cute when Jodie Foster first meets Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> Now do you know what a meet cute is? I see. I get it now. Splattering the window and uh, skin being chewed off. Uh, Here's a quiz. Name the guy who did that to her. I'll bet Ding ding, it's not you because I'll bet you know it. Uh, Tell anyone name the guy who did that to her. Uh, Who later swallows his tongue? Billy Bibbit, that guy. Isn't it Ding? Tell me if I'm right. Isn't it like Migs or something weird like that? Yes, it is Migs. It's multiple Migs in the next cell. Hey, oh, that's chicken. his like that's his yeah. name and affliction. Uh, ah, okay. What's his affliction? Multiple Migs. I'm presuming that means he has multiple personalities, one Did of which involves spraying bodily fluids on FBI agents. He gets to be next to Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> I can see why. Well, won't. don't they put him there to torment Lecter? Like, isn't that part of the deal, Dingus? Yeah. Here, Mister Fancy Pants. You yeah, well, well, that's part of it. But then, of course, Lecter. Uh, helps him kill himself. Right, he talks him into swallowing his own tongue. Yeah, right. As if you could do that. All right, so go ahead. What, what else do we have from? Uh, who is this from? Kelly Wand. Uh, Fred Bow. That was their number three. They had yep. three of them. The number two, the boyish charm of Robert De Niro, <laughs> <laughs> wooing a nubile Sybil Shepherd in Taxi Driver. See. <laughs> They're going to just die after read it aloud. When they <laughs> you know, it is a meet cute, though. They're right. It's like, it doesn't go sour till they're in the movie. Like, she goes, oh, he's weird, but he's eccentric. He's being charming. Like, he's not nuts. Like, she hasn't made that connection yet. They don't, they don't know they're in that movie. Yeah, they don't know they're in that movie. Yeah, all the stuff about how he's got to get organized, organized, like, like, like yeah. the sign. And he says to her, like, the sign. She has no idea what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. and he's competing with Albert Brooks. So it's like the dumber he is, <laughs> can only help. <laughs> and chicks kind of like it when you're dumb. Like, oh, look, he's such an idiot. He's going to need me. Fixer upper. Number one, the best movie meet cute ever, Daniel Gregg and Javier Bardem finally come together in Skyfall. <laughs> <laughs> See? Okay. Yeah. Why are you going to hate Crocodile Dundee? Love Those are good. Right? Those are very good, yes. Very nice. Paul Weimer. Three best meat cutes in movies. Number three, can I come in there, please? I can't, not without a token. When you were sleeping. I didn't see this movie. It's more Sandra Bullock has amnesia or something. No. It's not? Or is she Bullock has amnesia or something. While you're sleeping. Isn't it when, He calls it when you were sleeping. But I think it's while. <laughs> oh, just saying. When you were sleeping is kind of a better title in a way. 
It implies it's going to be a fall. When you were sleeping, by the way, <laughs> well, while you were sleeping is more. Uh, number two. Oh, wait. Paul Wimmer writes about that one. Uh, the twist in the movie, this keeps the meat cute trope fresh. just wanted to read that part to Tom. Number two. Why didn't you take off all your clothes? You could have stopped 40 cars. Well, I'll remember that when we need 40 cars. It happened one night. I never saw that movie. That's kind of risque. That movie was made in like yeah. 1894. Could they talk that way back then? Yeah. That's risque. Yeah, he said clothes. Oh, hey. The Motion Picture Authority. I've actually seen that one. Isn't that where they have to like sleep in an area and he stretches up a sheet between their halves of the room or whatever? Right. And Claudette, Claudette, Claudette Colbert or something. What's her name? Claudette Colbert. Colbert. Stephen yeah. Colbert. Stephen Colbert and John Stewart are in this. Hey, Dingus, how do they meet in North by Northwest? Security what do you mean? Room. What do you mean? I don't know, is there a meet cute in that? Because Hitchcock seems like he does a lot of meet cutes, but I didn't have any on my list. This is all right. We'll get into this after the podcast. Number one, <laughs> why do you keep calling me Calvin? Well, that's your name, isn't it? Calvin Klein. It's written on your underwear. That's me. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's me. That, that is. It is. No, I do like that one. Very good. Back, that back to mom. the future? Yeah. Oh, that's right. It says mom. Oh, yeah. His so mom. Many, so much subtext. Yeah. That's why Disney passed on that movie. And they could have just dumbed it down and taken out that plot and Disney-fied it. But instead, uh, it didn't. <laughs> Thanks, Robert Zemeckis. Yeah. That's a good movie. Does it hold up? Back to the future? No. Doesn't. Are you serious, Dingus? It doesn't? Oh. I have no idea. It's just, you know, it's Robert Zemeckis, and I have no faith in him whatsoever. Come on. No, Dingus, but it's Robert Zemeckis at his best, isn't it? Used Cars is good. Uh, I'm going to say yes, it is Robert Zemeckis at his best, other than Babel. I refuse to believe it doesn't hold up. Kelly Wan, would you look into this when you're watching uh, Blue Valentine and Praise? Uh Look into whether or not Back to the Future holds up. I would be very I think sad about this. Is nuts. I think Back to the Future probably still rules. Yeah, I bet it does. Dingus, you're out of your gourd. Time travel. Yeah, come on. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Here's a quote from it I am your density. That's funny. What's wrong with you? Why are you. Dingus, I have two her? words for you. Ready, Dingus? Crispin Glover. Yeah, I know. And that's why I prefer Beowulf. He has to get Crispin Glover laid. It's the it, like he's or he ceases to exist in time. Come on, that's a good premise. I, I like how Kelly Wan says his last name. I do, I do too. <laughs> As if he like glows in the dark. <laughs> uh, all right, what else do we have from Paul Weimer? Our runner up from him. You're going to look for her, aren't you? You won't find her. They'll make sure of it. Oh. Danny Paul Weimer, even if they weren't trying to stop you, there are 9 million people in the city. You'll never find her. Forget about her. Is this all really dialogue from the scene? It's, it's like nine minutes. But move on with your life. That line could have been two words. The Adjustment Bureau, Tom. Hello. Uh, wow, Dingus should be happy about that. I remember I, um, she destroys his phone. She dips it in, like, coffee. And I remember someone in the audience, like, oh, went, oh! like, she's like, Whoa, that, that's not a meet cue. That's a, that's a phone, man. Nobody does that shit to a phone. She didn't say all that. Anyway, so my plea for women to come up with meet cutes fell on deaf ears, mm -hmm. thereby proving women are deaf. Do we have any runners-ups? Uh, pretty much anything by Lynn Shelton. And Harmony Corinne. 
Um, Did James Brolin in the car have a good? Uh, yeah, well, they're already married. James Brolin and his uh, like he you meet him as a, a married couple with his wife, uh, and the the first scene of their like pillow talk when they're getting ready in the morning is incredibly excruciatingly bad it is it, it is a hallmark the 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 little domestic introduction scene in the car is just amazing work in in cringeworthy dialogue and actors who just don't really seem like they're actually in a relationship uh it's really a, a thing you have to see to appreciate i'm sorry which movie the car oh yeah what so yeah, the park a little because it, it's it's just like you know the car is an almost beat for beat remake of Jaws with a killer car instead of a shark. So it's the the equivalent of the scene where Brody gets up and he's talking to his wife and the kids are playing on the swing set and there's you know Spielberg did great jobs of that sort of domestic kind of uh, not necessarily chaos but actually some of it is chaos these sort of domestic, domestic. scenes and and Jaws has this great early domestic scene with uh, with Brody and his wife uh, so the car tries to rip that off by having James Brolin and the poor woman she kind of looks like Karen Allen but she's not the poor woman who plays his wife like waking up together in bed and having family stuff and it's so excruciatingly bad uh, I love watching it it's hilarious so in the next Spielberg movie Close Encounters Richard Dreyfuss leaves his family for a bunch of aliens. You think maybe that was the original ending for Jaws, and he scotched it like because of studio notes. Like Brody goes off with the shark at the end, and it's like the beginning of a wonderful friendship. Yeah, <laughs> or not, Kellywan? Can I ask you a serious question? Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, okay, other runners-up, gentlemen. There's a, the, the world of cinema is rife with meat-cutes. What, what else works for you guys? I'm dry. Dingus, I'm sure you got a long list. No, I do, all, but I'll, I'll, just, uh, I'll just fall back on John C. Riley and Laura Walters. And uh, give us a line from it, Dingus. You're going to need to turn down that music. <laughs> That's not how John C. Riley sounds. I'm oh, sorry. Uh, they, are so adorable. they are so adorable in Magnolia. Yeah, so John C. Riley is a cop showing up to her apartment. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. See, I didn't know that was me cute when I saw that scene, because I go, she's uh, strung out on coke or something? Yeah, like? she's totally coked out, and she's like, doesn't she like go to make him coffee or something? Or I forget yeah. I forget some of the particulars, but it's, it's so really adorable. Bad. And he's completely oblivious, too. Uh, that is a good one, actually. How come that's a great not? One. Yeah. It's better than all our dumb ones. Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, are you guys ready for next week's 3x3? Three three? This has been a long time coming. Yeah, get it. Get it. All right, so uh, we saw the call two weeks ago, and near the end of the call, there's a scene where Halle Berry has just emerged from the serial killer's underground lair, which she found by actually, well, somehow it figured into the, the fact that she recognized the sound of a, a wire clinking against a flagpole. So when she emerges from his underground lair, there's a gratuitous shot from un, up down in the lair, looking up through the hole at Halle Berry, and there's the flagpole behind her with an American flag waving behind her. And, uh, and we certainly got uh, Dark. A, a very notable moment with the flag in Olympus Has Fallen. Yeah. You know, the, the flag wafting down off of the and the, the evil Koreans, I think, didn't they like throw it away even? Um, so there are all kinds of moments where flags figure prominently in movies. Um, those are two. I, I don't think either of us would pick that as a, a best use of a flag. Um, but I want to mention a particular one that I really like because it's not an American flag. Now, what I'm looking for, 
uh, Kelly Wand, Dingus, you guys and me, we're Americans. So I specifically want American flags. If you want to use a flag of a different com- country, please do. If you're from a different country, if you're from America, I want to hear about your. I want, I want to hear about your country's national flag in movies. Right. And here's an example of a great one. Well, I, I'm looking for American flags, um, but from I want to from us. But I want to mention a great use of the Union Jack in a movie called Attack the Block. So Attack the Block is about the, I think they call them chavs. They're like these street toughs in London. And at one point, there's a climactic moment in the end where the hero has to swing across a gap on a Union Jack. There's a little bit of a political subtext there that, you know, like Britain saves him or he uses Britain to stave off aliens or whatever. There's like, I I think that they, they knew, they, they, used a Union Jack for a particular reason in this scene. Um, so what I want is stuff like that where an American flag figures prominently in a scene. Uh, and I want your you favorite... the same nationality as the flag. Kelly Wan, don't even worry about that. You just give me American flags. Uh, I know we have some international listeners, and if you can, you, you can use American flags, but if you have an instance of your country's flag being used, I would love to hear about that. Uh, but for us, I want to talk about American flags. Mm. American movies don't have that many flags in them, I've noticed. Well, that's because a lot of Americans don't have flags. <laughs> Dingus, the way you said that made me think of that Miss, Miss South Carolina talking about Americans not having maps. That's why I said it. Like, ah, very good. Dingus can sound like a beauty queen. Dingus always <laughs> makes me think of her. Dingus, can I ask you a serious question? <laughs> Ding. Uh, all right, so there you go. That's uh, next week's 3x3, three three, uh, use of American flags. Um, mine is done. I've already got uh, <laughs> Dang, dang. Well, you had the topic. That's not impressive. <laughs> have the to- if it was my topic and you were done, I'd be really impressed. <laughs> it's six days ago. Dang, I'd be dead. Uh, all right, so uh, if you have, if you want to participate in the 3x3, three three, we would love to hear your choices. Send your choices to uh, 3x3, that's 3x3. Three at quarter2three.com. We'd love to read them on the air. Uh, next week, we are going to see The Place Beyond the Pines. Uh, see if you can find that somewhere. It's a limited release, I'm afraid. Actually, wait. Am I screwing this up, Kelly Wan? Did we decide that's playing in Vancouver? Uh, I said I didn't know, and you went, all right. And then... <laughs> all right, well, we, uh, Dingus and I will be seeing The Place Beyond the, the Pines. Kelly Wand might be seeing G.I. Joe instead. <laughs> oh, gee, that's I'm the one you decided on, Tom? Wait, what's the one I decided on? As opposed to the host. The whole, I mean, really, the whole thing was we, we were going to do, we we're hoping for the Pines movie, but just in case, we're going to also see Bleh. Oh, the host? Well, no, I, I'm not, I'm not going to go to G.I. Joe or the host. I'm going to see The Place Beyond the Pines. Hopefully, <laughs> Kelly Wan can see it. I'm going to see all three of them, and you opsies <laughs> for all. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, next week will be our The Place Beyond the Pines podcast. Kelly Wan, it'll be playing there. Come on, it's going to open in Vancouver. Vancouver I like has, yeah, I, I just, I, I'm strongly optimistic about this. Uh, and you know what? If, if it doesn't, I can think of fewer opsies I would rather hear than a G.I. Joe. Opsis. I've had about enough of you. <laughs> uh, so uh, join us for that next week. I'm Tom Chick. I've been joined by Christian Moldowski. It's Christian Moroski. And Kelly Wand. Do you ever throw away flags? Does anybody? <laughs> Open Gangnam Style. Biggest questions. Gangnam Style. Oh, man.
It's not Korean. It's not? Yeah, I thought he was Korean. I thought it was Thai. <laughs> no, this is the new Korean invasion, Kelly Wan. This is the more trenchant Korean invasion. Isn't Psy Korean? Help me out here, Dingus. Yeah, it's Korean. Of course it's Korean. Korea's like Oz. It's got a Glinda in the North. Gangnam Star. Well, this podcast was produced using Space Age polymers. <laughs>